But somehow this morning I, I just switched on the TV. I mean, there's never a dull moment in this country. You know, you just gotta, you just gotta laugh your way through the craziness what's happening. <clears throat> and I woke up and I wasn't feeling 100% because I had my neighbour party till quarter past three this morning. Really bad karaoke from three o'clock. Um, <laughs> so, so it's been interesting 24 hours. But I switched on the TV this morning and, and on, I don't know what channel it was. The question was, what's the significance of Good Friday to you? And that was the viewer question. And I was quite amazed to see the responses that people had. Responses of, it's just another day. Response of, it has no meaning to us. Response of, I don't know why we still have a public holiday just for the Christians, that we should have for all belief systems. But this one lady wrote in that court me, she said this, she said, Easter has just lost its, uh, sorry, she says, Good Friday just lost its meaning, but I will go to church today on Sunday. And I thought, how sad is it that we've come into society where the, probably the most important day of our Christian calendar has now just become something that happens. And let me tell you why it's become something that has happened. Because somehow they haven't maybe able to attach a bunny to it or a fat guy in a red suit. That somewhere along the line, Good Friday cannot be commercialized. Because even this, I mean, Good Friday is about you and about me and about him. That is it. And I, I, I went to this week because I can stand up here this morning and you all know there's so much. I can tell you what Psalms wrote about Jesus and how he was going to die. And I can tell you what Isaiah said. And I can, we can plan the whole week and we know that we had Palm Sunday. And then Monday he cleansed the temple. Then Tuesday the authorities arrested him. And then Thursday he had the Passover meal and, and was arrested. Friday he was crucified. It's, it's been a hell of a week. But I want to speak about something else this morning. And I want to speak about the significance of Good Friday. Because I so often get so worried that we just do stuff for the sake of doing it. That for all of us, maybe Good Friday Easter has lost its meaning. That maybe for all of us, Good Friday has just become another public holiday. Another day where we get off work. Maybe our prayer meetings are just something we attend. Or our worship is just songs on a board. Maybe our quiet time is following something else's, you know, Bible study and never seeking God for ourselves. And that often scares me when the things that are holy become familiar. It scares me when we don't see the value of what we have. And not just in our relationship with God, but even in our value in our, in our relationship with each other, in marriages with our kids, with family, with friends. There's an old saying that says, we don't know what we've lost until it's gone. And I thought about that this morning. You know, I've, we've been through a year where so many of our people have beaten cancer. You know, Nick's has just come through cancer. Doctor said this, this and that. And she's, yeah, there's Jen sitting. There's a lot of you sitting. There's Adam and everyone. And we can have this incredible count and healing. And we can see God do something so significant in our lives. But as life happens, somehow we lose that emotion or that feeling or that moment that, wow, 
God has always been there for me. That He's always come through for me. And then we get to that place where a God in need is a God indeed. That somehow we, we, we don't want the Fridays. We don't want the good Fridays in our lives. But we love the Easter Sunday. We love the fact that He died and He rose again for me. We love the fact that our sins have been removed as far as the East is from the West. We love the fact that we've been redeemed. We love the fact that because of His blood and by His stripes we are healed. We, we love all that stuff. But somehow we don't want to listen to what Friday was really all about. And in every one of our lives, Friday is the road to your Sunday. It doesn't matter what you're facing. Friday will always be a road to your Sunday. And you can say what you want to. But every one of you are going to have a Friday. And some of you right now are in a Friday. You're a season in your life where you don't really understand what's happening. A season maybe where you're seeking. A season where maybe we just feel like God's not answering prayers. Like there's just this bronze heaven above us. A season where we trusted God for so much change. And, and Chantal said to me this week, we went to go pray for Max. And only by the grace of God that we, we got in there. And I love my wife's passion. Because she said to me on Sunday, she said, we're going to go pray for Max. I said, baby, you can't get in there. And she said to me, God will make a way. And I thought, okay, well, yes, God make a way then, you know. We went there and we walked in and then Matruna was walking in with us. And there's grumpy old Matruna, what's we here? Yeah. And we just said, hi, we passed the sun. So we just, you know, come to pray for Max. And she came back, she said, please come through. And she took us through. And she told students, she prayed for Max, and she stood, she spoke to him, she walked out, and we got home. And she said in the shed on the bench, she said to me, why didn't we get up? I've got the thing. Why didn't we get up? I prayed, and you must say, go pray. Why didn't we get up? And I love it when people have those questions. I love it when people have that passion. You say, man, my God said it, that settles it. And how many of us are in that place in your life right now that if God says it, God settles it? How many of us truly can say that we're walking in the victory and the blessings and the favor of God in our lives right now? How many of us are journeying some real difficult stuff? And somehow we feel that just by journeying it alone, it's okay. I had a question yesterday, and I was talking in this thing yesterday, I was saying that if God had to give every one of you one question that you could ask him, what would that question be? That if I now gave you audience with God, if I gave you an audience with God, what would that question be? And, and, the, and the thought popped to my head, this was the, the thought that popped to my head was this. And would it be about me or would it be about him? Somebody put on a Facebook page the other day and they said that if God had to answer all our prayers, would our lives change or would the world change? And I'm telling you this story because I want to tell you that you've been redeemed. That the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is within you. That the season that you and the time that you and I are journeying right now, we cannot become complacent in the things of God. That the things that are holy in our lives cannot become familiar. 
that we cannot just do quiet time because, well, it's something we do. We only sing songs, like I said, because they're on a board. We only pray when we need. Where's the honor in what is done? And I think like me so often, I hate conflict and I hate thinking about bad things. And so for someone like me, it's easy to just forget about Friday because it just was too horrific. And I don't want to think about Friday because I think of the cost of what took place and I have to realize that that cost was for me. That individually I have to give an account of what he did. And in Luke 22 this morning, I just want to read a little bit and I just want to touch on one or two subjects. But Luke chapter 22 verse 1, and I'm going to read this. And he says this, And the festival of thin bread, also called Passover, was near. And the chief priests and the teachers and the law of Moses were looking for a way to get rid of Jesus. Because they were afraid of what the people might say and do. And I want to stop right there. Because let me tell you something, that there's power in numbers. The Word of God says that when we dwell in unity, God commands a blessing. And we forget about this. We forget about the fact that Good Friday, the first thing that took place for Good Friday, was that God unified us under one banner, that was Christ Jesus. That even authorities will be fearful if we understand what unity looks like. If we understand what, what togetherness looks like. If we understand what it is to be a family, to be an effective church, to be an effective people, to be there for one another. And he carried, the word carries on, and it says, And then Satan entered the heart of Judas, who was one of the twelve apostles. And Judas went to talk with the chief priests and the officers of the temple and the police about how they could help, yeah, he could help them arrest Jesus. They were very pleased and offered to pay Judas some money. And he agreed and started looking for a good chance to betray Jesus when the crowds were not around. Again, there's power in unity. There's power in a crowd. There's power in people with a common cause. Verse 7 says, In the day had come of festival of thin bread, and it was time to kill the Passover lamb. So Jesus said to Peter and John, Go and prepare the Passover meal for us to eat. But they asked, where do you want us to prepare? And Jesus told them, And as you go into the city, you will meet a man carrying a jar of water. Follow him to the house and say to the owner, Our teacher wants to know where he can eat the Passover meal with his disciples. And the owner will take you upstairs and show you a large room ready for use. Prepare the meal there. And Peter and John left and they found everything just as Jesus had told them. And they prepared the Passover meal. And when the time had come for Jesus and the disciples to eat, he said to them, I have very much wanted to eat this Passover meal with you before I suffer. The, the NIV says this, the New King James says this, I have been so awaiting this meal. And I want to stop there. This is a man, let me just find this picture. This is a man that is about to be innocently beaten. This is a man that's about to be stabbed inside with a spear because the prophet told us what could happen. This was a man that was about to be whipped. This was a man that
that was about to be nailed to a cross. This was a man that was about to have a wreath of thorns placed upon his head. This was a man that was going to be stripped down naked and exposed to every person around him that they could mock him. And yet Jesus heard him this, I have so been waiting for this meal with you. I'm going to say that again. I have been so been waiting for this meal with you. Those words still be true right now. Right now. He is still so excited to have this meal with you. The word carries on, and, and it's a, you can read the whole scripture. But there's this word that, that we've always, that I've always understood differently. And it's a scripture where he says, and do this in your name of me as often as you can. And this is just before he breaks bread. And so for most of us, and for even for me for many years, I, I, I thought, well, do this in remembrance of me. And what he's speaking about is the table. And he's 100% right. But this week I had a different thought. I thought this maybe event that we should do this in remembrance of him as often as we can. This. Not just this, but what this represents. Now let me explain to you that this represents the crucifixion, yes. But let me tell you what this really represents. What it really represents is this. That he was a man that was sitting among people that he loved dearly and they loved him. That they'd been together for three years. And in this little circle of friends, he had a man that was going to deny him three times. In the circle of ways, he had a man that was given money to lead him to his death. In the season that we find ourselves, you know what happened? Is that Jesus is about to heal the very person that came to arrest him. Jesus fed Peter. He washed his feet. He blessed him. He called out Judas. He fed him. He broke bread. He gave him wine. He gave him the bread. He washed his feet and he fed him. And he blessed him. He blessed the very man that came to arrest him after Peter got upset and pulled out the sword and cut off his hair. And for a moment I was thinking, maybe, maybe this is what Jesus means by do this as often as you can in remembrance of me. Because sometimes it's just not about the cross and what we got out of it. Maybe sometimes about the lesson that we need to learn before. Because this is Good Friday. And it's Good Friday for us because He blessed us and He forgave us. But how many of you in this room have got a Judas in your life that you're struggling to forgive? How many in this room I've got a close friend by the name of Peter that you know that any moment in the next few four hours he's going to deny you. He's going to deny your friendship. He's going to deny any good moments that he's had with you and the things that he shared. How many of you 
can understand that there's somebody that wants you out. And yet, Jesus is able to extend healing and forgiveness and mercy. Maybe, just maybe, when Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me, maybe it's just not this, but everything that goes with it. And as much as he showed Peter grace, as much as he, sold the, he showed the, the soul to grace, and as much as he showed Judas grace, he shows us grace. Because it's often we're the ones that are denying him. There's an old saying that says that we confess him with our mouths, but we deny him with our lifestyle. Maybe we're not as holy as we think we are. That we would never sell out Jesus. And yet we can take a job on the other side of the world without even speaking to him. Not once do we even stop and say, Father, where do you want me? Because money speaks louder than words these days. How many of us spend more time cursing our enemies than loving our enemies? And showing them mercy, showing them grace, showing them unconditional love. Because ultimately, all of us have somewhere in our life been the police and the Judas and the Peter. And yet, still in the midst of all of that, He's still prepared to break bread with me. He's still prepared to wash my feet. He's still prepared to take his authority that he has and wrap a towel around his waist and fall at my feet because he loves me. You see, we live in a society where we need to do to get if we want our parents to love us, we need to be good. If we want something, we need to earn it. And so often, most people, the message of God's grace is just too unreal. Why would, why would you want to do that for me? Why? Why would you want to go to the cross for me? Why would he want to be beaten? It doesn't make sense. And because the message of God's love is unconditional love and the message of God's grace is so difficult for our human minds to understand, we go into the next overdrive where we need, believe we need to earn his love. And now we've got to do stuff. And now we've got to act a certain way. And we've got to speak a certain way. And we think that the more holy we look or the more religious we look, the more God loves us. And yet we don't realize that often all these works that we have are going to be like filthy rags in His sight. So I tell myself I've been married 33 years this year. 33 years. And often people say, but how do you do it? Because of an unconditional love. 
Steven? Has she ever angered you? Has he ever angered you? Never. <laughs> they are a role model couple. Let me explain something to you quickly. That unforgiveness doesn't bind your enemy. It binds you. Unforgiveness doesn't shackle your enemy. I don't care what you speak to him or what you say or how you curse him or how many spells you throw on him or how many holes you poke into your little voodoo doll. Unforgiveness holds you captive. And if we cannot forgive, how do we understand forgiveness? If we do not understand unconditional love, how do we walk in unconditional love? That if we do not understand what mercy looks like or what mercy feels like, how do we extend mercy? And Jesus says that I've been so excited to share this meal with you. When I read that yesterday, I thought to myself, Lord, absolutely nothing has changed. And I woke up this morning and I had this picture in my mind of Jesus is like standing next to my bed and saying, hey, I'm so excited to break bread with you this morning. Because this can be something we just do. For some of us, it is just muscle and crazy. For some of us, it's just something that He told us to do. For some of us, we do it because it's Good Friday and it's Easter weekend. But you see, on this table this morning, there's not just bread, there's not just grape juice, there's love. There's unconditional love. There's mercy. There's grace. There's healing. There's salvation. There's deliverance. There is wholeness. There is freedom. All on this table this morning. And it's your choice what you partake of this table this morning. Because it could just be bread and gracious for you. Or it could be so much, so much, so much more. And the fact that we've got to get into our head that he is so excited about this morning. And he's so excited, even if it's just great to you, and even if it's just great to you, he's still excited to break bread with you. And you know what? And he's still excited to give you the gift that comes with this. The gift of freedom. The gift of forgiveness. That you've been redeemed. That your body and your life and your soul has been paid for. That in actual fact what we should do is put your name on this cross. And as you say there, great conquerors paid in full. Paid in full. There's always going to be a Judas in your life. There's always going to be a Peter that overreacts to everything. 
There's always going to be somebody that wants to make sure that you fall and you fail. But you know what the most incredible thing we read it last week in 1 Corinthians 13? It says this, love conquers all. This is not a horrible story about a man that was murdered. This is not a horrible story about people beating this man that professed to be Jesus today. This is often not even about Judas or about Peter or about the guy that the children that arrested him. What you've got in front of you this morning is the greatest love story ever told. Because I don't know if I could love like this. I don't know if I could love like this. That I bless my enemies. That I love those who betray me. That I love and I pray for those that want to see my destruction. That as you're hanging on the worst moment of your life, where death and life are right in front of you. In the most painful moment of your life, in the hardest moment, your wife has left you, or your kids have died, or your wife has passed away, or your husband has died, or you've been diagnosed with cancer, when you at your worst moment, when people have caused your destruction, when people have caused your heartache, and you're injured, and you hurt, and you bleeding. How easy to say, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. That's a love story. That is a man that is sold out to a committed relationship with us. That is a guy that was not going to turn to the left or to the right. Until love was established between us. That there was a covenant bond that made sure that he would never leave us or forsake us. That he came and removed our sins, our failures, our shortfalls, our addictions, as far as the east is from the west. And yet, in this greatest love story of all, so many of you come to this table this morning, so you can Still carrying unforgiveness. Still carrying bitterness. Still not speaking to your mom because she cut your hair when you were five. Still not speaking to your ex-wife because she cheated on you. Still not speaking to your kids because they did something. Still not speaking to your pastor, whatever it might be. And so many of us come to the same world We've got our shackles. And we take our cup and we take our wine. That's not what this is about. This is not, this is not a prison meal. This is a romantic moment between you and him. And you can only see it as a prison meal this morning, the shackles in your chains. 
You see, do this in remembrance of me. Yes, the bread. Yes, the wine. But just look around you. Because there's so much more I was doing right now at that moment in this room. Judith, I love you. Peter, Lord, I will live better, better, better. I know you. No, Lord, I will, I will die. Okay, Peter, you will die. I'm going to show you the, the size of this man's heart. Because let me tell you something. <laughs> Peter and Judas <laughs> were pretty cool guys. Compared to me. Compared to you. They were cool. They were Jews like this. They walked with him daily for three years. They had fish fries on the beach. They caught fish together. They raised people from the dead. Guys were walking out of tombs. People that were late for 40 years got up and walked. It was crazy. Three of the best years of their lives. They saw everything that every person needed to see. And yet somehow, <coughs> somehow along the line, our circumstances, our circumstances seem to trump over faith. Even in the midst of this love story, it's our circumstances that come out on top and not our faith. We still doubt. We still have our moments. We still have our anger. We still have our bitterness. You're already having a good Friday because he paid for you. How about taking off the chains and letting someone else go and give them a good Friday? Why not phone your mom? Tell her you love her. Why not phone your brother you haven't spoken to for years? Why don't we extend that mercy? Why don't we extend that grace? Saturday night, Max and my son were dancing in his wedding. Tuesday's in the That's how quickly life happens. And you can say to me, well, you know, I'll do it next week, one of the better week. Well, you don't understand what he did to you. Do you understand what you did to me? And I don't want us to leave this place this morning until we look at exactly what happened around that table. That we don't understand why he was so excited to share with you. Because he was about to give you the gift of life. And not just the gift of life, but he was prepared to give you the gift of eternal life. You know what? Because first he says, and we will not partake this meal again until we meet in the kingdom one day. It's not just a promise that this meal is going to change our life. There's a promise that there's a banquet awaiting us. And you know what? Guess what? Guess what? Every one of you in this room has been invited. 
not to stand around the walls, not to stand outside, but your place had your name on it, on the table. There is a seat that has been booked for you. Somebody, and that somebody, Jesus, paid for your ticket to be at that table. And let me tell you something. I don't care what great wedding you've been to, what great concert you've been to. That is going to be the mother of all dinner parties. <laughs> that, that, us, that is going to be a party. That is going to be a celebration. My friend, did you leave the building this morning? I see times of change in chapters laying on the floor. But when you leave this morning, I see people that have been set free. People that are not only forgiven, but people that are able to forgive. Not just people that have received grace and mercy, but people that are able to give grace and mercy. Not just people that receive unconditional love, but people that are able to love unconditionally. And in closing, learn to forgive you. Because that's where it starts. It starts with you. You can forgive the world, but if you cannot forgive yourself, for whatever reason, whatever you've done, whatever you've said, whatever you've seen, whatever you've done, or the country, if you cannot rest, rest in the fullness of who you are in Christ Jesus and forgiveness of sin towards you, that you cannot forgive others. What does the word of God say? Love others in the forgive others in the same manner that you must forgive you. Love has to be encountered to be released. Love is an emotion, it's not knowledge, it's not something in your head, it's not something you learn in a book, it's not something you watch, watch in carrying novella or you know, all these series or Desperate Housewives or whatever it might be. Love has to be encountered to be shared. You want to encounter his love? You want to encounter his love? Then they pray for you. I want you to remain quiet.